Hello, everyone. It's me, Michael Anthony Giudicissi. Thanks for joining me for this episode of All Things Billy, the podcast where we talk about all things Billy, not Billy Beer. That was uh, President Carter's brother, <laughs> I think, if I remember that correctly. Not uh, Billy Bush, Billy the Kid, William H. Bonney. I'm coming to you all the way live. Well, I mean, I'm live. <laughs> at the time of this recording, uh, from Montvale, New Jersey, which is uh, the last town north before you get into New York State in New Jersey. And uh, so I'm, I'm very close to where the kid was born, right? Well, we don't really know, do we? Was it upstate New York? Was it New York City? Was it uh, Missouri? Was it, I mean, where was it? And the answer is we don't know. And that's kind of the point of my opening monologue here is that there's so many things about Billy that we don't know. And I do you remember Charles Barkley, basketball player, played for the 76ers and the Phoenix Suns? He was famous for saying, I am not a role model. Don't expect me to raise your kids. I play basketball. Your job is to raise your kids. My job is to put the ball in the hoop. Case closed. Well, I am here to tell you, I am not a historian. I'm not. That's not my job. I am not a Billy the Kid expert. It's not my job either. I am an entertainer. That's what I do. I'm the host of this podcast that is designed, in some small way, to entertain you. Now, if you get some education as some facts are passed along because of that, that's great. But essentially, what I do is talk about a subject and give you my opinion on it. I give you some facts and then I give you my opinion. And that way, I'm very much like Fox News or MSNBC or CNN or whatever news station you hate, that I read a little bit of the news and then I tell you what it means to me. So I am not here to be a history professor. I am not a historian. Do not come to me for arcane facts and details and, you know, what uh, which shoelace was untied on Billy's shoes when they took the 700th picture of him when he was three years old. I don't know. And quite frankly, for me, I really don't care. But I constantly, at least once for every episode, get people that take that episode down. I demand a retraction. I don't like the way my family was... Uh, uh, was represented. You said something mean about this person. I'm afraid the sp- <laughs> I'm afraid the spirits are listening and they're going to get you. Well, bring them on. Who gives a crap? Come on, spirits, come and get me. Like that's the worst thing that's going to happen in my life. If you believe that, then you don't know my life very well. Okay, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm here to entertain. Now, if you're not entertained, which I know a lot of you may not be, you just change the channel. There's three billion other podcasts out there or just stop listening. But don't get in touch with me through message or email or some back channel and go, I demand a retraction for my family's honor. Look, whoever I talked about is dead. They don't care anymore. They're gone. Okay. Whatever I say means nothing to them because they don't exist just like we won't exist someday. This is for entertainment. If you take it in that spirit, 
terrific. Please join the fun. If it's not entertaining, tell your friends what an idiot I am, how terrible I am, and don't listen anymore. But don't keep listening if you're not entertained because I'm not going to get any better at this. I think this is, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, maybe 35 episodes. This is probably as good as it gets. So don't hang in there vainly hoping, hey, maybe this guy will you know, suddenly improve. Uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. Not going to get any better. This is it. This is what you get. So if you enjoy it, please come along for the ride. I love hearing from you on YouTube. I love hearing from you on Twitter, email, messaging. But if you're if you're going to correct me and tell me that I have to go change something, ah, you should just move along. You should just move along. You're not going to be happy. And I'm not going to change anything. And that's it. Case closed. All right. So now that that indulgence is over, let's talk about the uh, Billy the Kid series on epics. Now, we talked about it a little bit. And all I can tell you is I have still only ever watched the first episode and I couldn't get through that. Let's get a little coffee here. I could not get all the way through, not because it was... Uh, 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 you know, badly shot or low quality, beautiful quality, uh, just just moved way too slow for me. And it didn't prompt me, and I'm a Billy the Kid enthusiast, let's call it that. It didn't prompt me to go, hey, maybe you should search out the next one or two episodes. And I'm sure there's ways, even though I don't think I have epics, that I could watch um, a couple more. I'm just not interested. So I've been reading a lot of the commentary from people that have watched it and uh, I'd, I'd say it's probably split 60 40 60 in hell oh gosh you know what did they do here 40 percent in hey it's not historically accurate but it's a pretty good show so that's cool but over and over and over the thing that you hear is this historical accuracy is lacking and based on what i can ascertain i i agree I mean, I, I read your posts and, and about the different things that are put in there. Um, and it was kind of laughable that the creator of the show, the guy who wrote it, was, you know, uh, on record in an interview bragging about how much research he did and all these arcane facts he found. <laughs> he found they're so arcane because they're not true. <laughs> I found something that nobody else knows. Yeah, because you just made it up. Uh, but I thought about this and said, OK, if I gave you. Uh, each of you a budget. Let's. I, I'm going to give you a realistic movie budget. I'm going to give you twenty million dollars. That's a that's a decent size Hollywood feature. It's still on the. It's not a low budget film. Uh, you know, a low low budget would be ten million and under. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous, but true. But twenty million bucks is enough. It's not. Uh, it's not Young Guns, uh, Young Guns three kind of money. They've got a budget of fifty million, but it's enough. Uh, the kid uh, with Vince D'Onofrio, Ethan Hawke. I think that was made for five million. Old Henry was made for three million, million and a half dollar production budget. But you know, I, you look at that film, and it was great, great film. But there are definitely limitations that they put into the script because they knew they wouldn't have much money to shoot. And so it's only two sets, et cetera. Uh, and uh, the kid was filmed up at Bonanza Creek Ranch, or at least a lot of it. And there's, you know, a lot of shots where they're supposed to be in different places. And all they kind of did is turn the camera around to a different direction and ride past the same building. So they look different. I mean, they just didn't have tons of money. But I'm giving you 20 million bucks to make your own Billy the Kid 
film or series, but I'm going to tell you for 20 million bucks, you're probably going to have to make a film. Like you can make one thing. I don't think you're going to have enough to make a series unless you do a limited mini series, maybe three episodes. So I'll give you that option as well. Okay. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about the different periods of Billy's life, and you're going to have to decide what to put in there and how historically accurate you want to be, because whoever gave you this 20 million bucks, <laughs> they want their 20 million bucks back, and they want more. In other words, they want to earn a profit, so you're going to have to figure out a way to make this movie that's appealing, interesting, enticing enough that you're going to make money on it. And so we're going to get into your ideal Billy the Kid film right after this. All right, we're back with your ideal Billy the Kid movie for all of you. Epics, haters and lovers, and those of you waiting for the new Guns 3 feature, which will be out, I don't know, whenever it's out. Um, okay, you've got 20 million bucks. And you're going to make, I'm going to say a film, and you need a script. So as part of that 20 million bucks, you're going to either have to write the script yourself, which you would do for free, just your time, or you're going to have to hire a script writer. And a script writer, if they already have one, um, maybe my buddy Joseph, he's got one. Uh, the script is going to sell, if you have a completed script and you're not some big name writer, it's going to sell for between five and 25,000 bucks. That's it. And that doesn't sound like a lot of money. And it's really not in the context of a $20 million movie, but that's about what scripts sell for if somebody buys them from a screenwriter who's not, you know, not somebody who wrote E.T. or uh, Titanic or something like that. So you're going to have to buy a script, but more than likely, because you want uh, most, I'm thinking, perfect historical accuracy, you're going to have to write it or hire somebody to write it. And in that case, you're going to want to get somebody that really knows what they're doing. And so you're going to have to spend some more money. Uh, and this would be in development, right? Now, you wouldn't get the $20 million until you were done with development because part of it is raising the money but we're going to say hey here's 20 million bucks now go hire somebody whatever that's going to cost it will cost it'll depend upon who you ultimately decide to hire for the project uh, when you film a, a tv show or a film uh, or a movie uh, uh, one page of script is about one minute of screen time and it just faithfully works out that way. The only uh, way that that really changes is if you have a lot of um, description. So uh, as a, for instance, a young man walks into a bar slowly, you know, there are uh, four or five ruffian looking men drinking whiskey, the bartender, blah, blah. Like, in other words, if you have this real long description that takes a paragraph but takes uh, a minute and a half on screen, then you might stretch that. But for the most part, one page equals one minute of screen time. And so a 120-page script is a two-hour movie. You're going to want to figure out how long you want this movie to be because remember, you want people to watch it and to pay to watch it or at least sit through advertising to watch it if you wind up on Tubi, Zumo, Freebie, you know, one of those, uh, uh, one of those uh, or, or History Channel or whatever. So how much, um, how long is your script going to be? 
I'll tell you that the sweet spot for films is it just uh, uh, pendulums on either side of 90 minutes, 88 minutes, 97 minutes. In other words, that's where most films that are released, whether they be released in theaters or online, are made. It doesn't mean that's the ideal length. It just means that that's where most films are. And you've got to – here's the thing. If you get people in the theater, if you're going for a, uh, a theatrical release, then they've paid their money. You don't even care if they sit till the end, except you do because if they don't sit till the end, then they're going to tell their friends, oh, God, I couldn't make it through. I had to walk out. So you've, you've got to – you want to keep them engaged. Can you do that for 90 minutes with Billy the Kid? Yeah. Can you do it for two hours? Probably. I think so. With a well-written script, good moving story. Can you do it for two hours, 40 minutes? That gets tough. Anything over two hours really becomes a challenge for an audience to sit still. And uh, so you're going to have to really focus on that 120 pages of script and say, okay, how do I fit everything that I want in this movie about the life of Billy the Kid into that many pages? So what do you do? Well, I've uh, broken up the kid's life into a handful of blocks. In other words, pieces of the story that generally would make sense. I think, in fact, I don't think, I know, you could take any one of these and make a feature film about it, and you probably would have a better movie than you're going to come up with by trying to tell it all, but we'll get back to that later. So the first block is origins of the kid and his young life. So was he born near here to Montvale, New Jersey, or, you know, New York City, which is, uh, you know, 20 miles from here? Uh, maybe less as the crow flies. Or was he born in New York State? Or was he born in Ireland? Or was he born in uh, Kansas? I mean, whatever, you're going to have to figure out what you want to present on screen. And remember, no matter what you put on there, the bill... <laughs> <laughs> the Billy the Kid experts, with air quotes, are going to shred you because, you know, 80% of them uh, think you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But anyway, you're going to have to put that on there. So the origin story, you know, uh, who's his father? What happened to his father? Where did Catherine come from? Where do they go next? Uh, they make their way to Wichita, then they go to Denver, then uh, Santa Fe, then Silver City. Like all of that stuff, even before Billy gets into any trouble, I'm assuming you want to represent somehow. So how much are you willing to invest in that? Five minutes? I mean, five minutes is, is pretty short shrift for, you know, the, the origins of the most famous outlaw of the American West. But, you know, again, how much time do you have? So do you want that in there at all? That's a question you have to ask yourself for your ideal Billy movie. Or do you want to pick it up at some point later? Like, hey, his uh, he and Joe standing there while Catherine married uh, Antrim in Santa Fe. Or do you want to just pick it up in Silver City, where Billy's sitting at the bedside of his mother, coughing up blood, looking concerned as Joe's playing outside with a 
you know, a rabbit and you see Antrim right out of sight. I mean, where do you want to pick this story up? Because you want to tell the whole story. I've read it so many times. The real story of Billy the Kid is way more interesting than this crap that Hollywood does. Okay. So you got to figure this part out. The next block is Billy's time from the from the, the moment his mother died up until he kills Wendy Cahill. And if memory serves, that's uh, you know a couple years of uh, of time, right? And we know that he. Uh, uh, it, I'm not going to tell you what, but an interesting building in Billy's past in Silver City may have been located by a buddy of mine. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but yeah, you may get to see like a really historic building, but there's, you know, there's the crimes he committed. There's escaping from the jail of Sheriff Whitehall, if I remember right. Um, there's Camp Grant. There's, uh, you know, uh, stealing horses with Mackie, who was a drummer boy in the Civil War, you know, all of these things. So that's a, that story in itself, right up until Billy kills his first man, I think is pretty compelling. It's the formative years of a guy who would become, uh, you know, a world uh, known around the world as, you know, Billy the Kid, the, you know, the outlaw, the killer of lawmen. So how do you how do you incorporate that into your film? How much time do you give it? How much money do you want to spend on it? By the way, if you hire uh, actors under the age of 18 who are, you know, school age. You have to school them. Uh, so there's additional costs out of your 20 million bucks because you've got to have a teacher on set. There's limitations on the number of hours they can work. Um, so any of these young Billy or any uh, uh, scenes with anyone under 18 uh, take longer. You have less time to film them because you can't work them, you know, more than a certain number of hours. And uh, and so they cost more. So you got to factor that into your budget as you go forward. Okay. So the other thing is, you know, there's there's a, a a couple years that that period right up until Billy kills Wendy Cahill, which is documented, right? I mean, Cahill makes a statement that it was Billy, um, where we don't know a whole lot. We know some things, but we don't know exactly where and when Billy was. Thanks for the coffee. Um, so you're going to have to make some stuff up. If you're just going to stick with the documented facts, you've got Billy stealing butter, uh, from a rancher named Webb. If I remember right, you've got him stealing clothes with Sombrero Jack. You've got him shimmying up the chimney. Uh, you've got him stealing some horses with, uh, I think it's John Mackey. And then you've got him killing Wendy Cahill. So that's all you've got for a period of two years. That's that's not all that compelling. You're going to have to show the passage of time, right? You're going to have to take your audience on a journey of a you know 14 or 15 year old Billy up to a 17 year old Billy. You can use the same actor for that, I think. But how are you going to bridge that gap and show them that time has passed? Are you just going to put the year up on the screen? Uh, 1877. Hey, bang, bang, bang. I, that's probably not going to work. Remember, you got a $20 million film here and you got to make money on it. So you can see that from Billy's birth, you know, wherever that is, or maybe even Catherine's origin story coming over on the Jeannie Johnston 
which was the ship she traveled on from uh, uh, England to the United States. It's really not. That's totally made up, by the way. It's from one of my books. So don't go telling anybody that. It was a real ship, but she was not on it. But if you want to show all of that stuff, how much time in your maximum two hours are you willing to take? How much time do you need to be able to tell that? Because you might go, hey, this is important. And it's kind of compelling, this you know, woman moving across the country with her kids. And here's Billy getting into trouble. And we, I just see him you know, shimming up the chimney. And then I see him stealing horses. And then I see him killing Wendy Cahill in a really dramatic fight. Like I see all that. And all of a sudden, you're 15 or 20 minutes in. And you haven't even gotten to you know, any of the real Billy the Kid stuff. So figure that part out. After we do, do that, now we have this period where Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy, <laughs> I was thinking J Billy and Jesse, and I, somehow I came out with Jimmy, where Billy's riding with the Jesse Evans gang. And it's actually not a very long period of time. It's, in, it's measured in months rather than years. Uh, but it is important because this is Aside from killing Wendy Cahill, this is the point where Henry adopts the, you know, the outlaw lifestyle. He's riding with a bunch of known outlaws. He's consorting with criminals. It's not self-defense when a, you know, a, a, a Frank Cahill, a big bully, you know, starts to wrestle him. This is, hey, these guys break the law on a regular basis. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they kill, and I'm riding with them. So I think at some point you do have to, you've got to introduce Jesse Evans and what he means to the story. Because obviously Jesse Evans plays a bigger part as you go forward. Uh, you know, the, the, the killing of Tunstall, the killing of Chapman, um, you know, his uh, plea for, you know, from a, a letter from a prison in Texas for the kid to come break him out. Uh, fighting against each other in the Lincoln County War. So if you don't introduce Jesse Evans and you just insert him as a character later with no you know, character development, then he's not going to mean a whole lot. And I think in this story or in this uh, uh, you know, real life story, I think it's important that we know who he is. <sighs> okay, that coffee's getting cold. I hate cold coffee. So you've got to put some time into this Jesse Evans gang thing where Billy, you know, is clearly one of the followers. He's probably the youngest or one of the youngest in the gang and uh, makes his way to Lincoln County and to Lincoln. So now, again, you've chosen your origin of Billy. You've chosen his younger years. You've chosen, chosen his first crimes. Now you've got Jesse Evans. How far are we into the film in order to uh, tell all this effectively? And the other thing to consider is how many characters have I had to introduce? Billy, Joe, I think you definitely need to introduce Joe, Catherine, um, uh, uh, William Antron, uh, you probably need to know him, Jesse Evans, Wendy Cahill, uh maybe john mackey like you know we're we're eight or ten characters into this and we haven't even gotten to lincoln yet so you got a pretty big challenge in establishing who those people are and why that they are key to the story but we're going to move on so now we're going to arrive in lincoln and 
you, you've got a, a subplot here of Billy leaving the Jesse Evans gang and taking up with Tunstall and working for him for a very short period of time before the war starts. <clears throat> but again, if you reflect back to Young Guns, you know, there was this uh, this kid. I mean, you remember Emilio Estevez is running through the town. He, uh, he, he sees John Tunstall. He gets taken getting the, the wagon lads I'll drive you out to the ranch uh, that's not proper table man you know like all that stuff you you got to introduce this uh, environment for Billy although you know that we don't think it happened like that uh, anyway you've got to introduce this why was Billy with these people and why was Tunstall so important to him or was Tunstall so important I mean, we have a, a witness statement that says Billy over the body of Tunstall swears that he'll get some before he dies. And that's kind of all we have. Tunstall doesn't mention Billy in, in any of his letters back to his father in England. So, you know, it's not like they were intimate friends or anything. Not intimate in a sexual way, but, you know, not like they were very close friends. Uh, so most of the, the rest of it is just made up legend or romanticized. And remember, your movie's going to be factual because you said the facts are more interesting than Hollywood drama. So <clears throat> you've got a, a period here to introduce, and you've also got to start to introduce the regulators, and you can't introduce them all. You certainly can have a gang of guys you know, riding, across the, riding across the plains. Uh, that, that's fine. But how are you going to introduce them you know, uh, Middleton, Waite, Bonnie, Woodman, uh, 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 Bowdry, Skurlock, McNabb. Like I could, you could go on and on. You know better than I do because I am not an expert. Like you can't introduce all of those characters and have them mean anything to your audience. So you're going to have to cut. You're going to have to decide who's important to the story and who's not. Because 12 initial Anglo regulators, plus uh, all the Hispanics that uh, rode under, was it Florencio Chavez um, as their own captain? Might have been somebody else. But you, there's no way for the audience to know who all these people are or why they are important to the story. So who's it going to be? You're going to sit with your writer and you're going to say, well, Doc Skurlock's pretty important. And... I guess Doc is. I, I mean, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I think he's important because he was in Young Guns. You know, Dirty Steve Stevens really wasn't all that important. There's not a whole lot of recorded history or key events that, you know, he or dialogue that he could be absolutely attributed to. But he was in Young Guns. So do you leave him in there or do you go with uh, Fred Waite, who was, you know, a much better friend of the kids? right? Or Henry Brown? Uh, or do you go with Charlie Bowdry? I mean, you think you have to if you're going to tell the whole story of the kid. Uh, Tom Folliard. I mean, he was he was missing from Young Guns 1. And in Young Guns 2, he was a 14-year-old kid from Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, I think you want to introduce him because he is germane to the story and really important to the, the you know, the later stages of Billy's story. So you're going to make some concessions here. But I think you're going to pick out somewhere between three and four regulators to focus on. Three and four, three or four uh, of the uh, of the guys that you're going to introduce and tell your audience why they're important to the story. Uh, 
and this is the time to do it. Now you can do some of it after the war starts. You know, you could introduce a couple here and show how they were involved with Billy, and then you can show uh, the escalations of the tension and then the killing of Tunstall, which obviously would be a key part of this. Um, and then you can introduce some more at that point. As if, for instance, uh, uh, John Middleton was with Tunstall when he was killed. What, John? What, John? As Middleton's trying to, uh, you know, tell Tunstall, come on, follow me. Uh, maybe you can wait until then to introduce Middleton. Or maybe you're not at all. So you'll make your choices here. Who's important to the story? Who can be sacrificed? Uh, but you will not be able to introduce all of the regulators. And then we're going to get to the part where Tunstall is killed. And this is a big dramatic moment, and it's and it's true. But, of course, you only have the testimony of the men that were, you know, that chased him off the trail. You don't have Tunstall's testimony. So you're going to have to decide what happened there. And then you're going to have to portray that on film. And whatever you portray is going to be made up. It's not going to be real because you weren't there. Nobody was there that gave an eyewitness account of the, uh, you know, Tunstall McSween side. So, you know, you're going to have to swallow your pride and go, okay, well, I guess I'm about to go Hollywood because <laughs> we don't know what happened here. All we know, unless all you want to do is have, you know, Tunstall get chased off the trail hear a gunshot, then hear another gunshot, and then have Billy, uh, you know, standing there, you know, be hiding behind a rock saying, that's it, they've killed Tunstall, and then nothing else. You could do that. I mean, that would be at least more historically accurate based on what we know. But if you're going to put, you know, that actual scene in there, then you're either going to do it completely from the, uh, you know, uh, Jesse Evans uh, uh, side, you know, Bob Ollinger, and whoever that third guy was, or you're going to make it up. You're going to, um, you're going to settle for less than historical accuracy. And remember, your $20 million financier wants this thing to make money. I think you got to portray the killing of Tunstall. And I don't know that it's been done really well in any film. I've got a vision of what it could look like, but you're going to make it up. So sorry, your artistic, your historical integrity has been compromised, but you have to because your executive producer says, make sure we make money. All right. So after that, now we're in, this is, this is a lot, you know, I've been talking now for 20 minutes on this uh, <laughs> and, and we're not even, you know, into the Lincoln County war yet. So you're getting the idea that this is a pretty big challenge. But now we're into the Lincoln County War. And again, in a two-hour film, you cannot show all of the um, uh, all of the happenings. If you think of the movie Tombstone, when Wyatt Earp went on his vendetta ride, um, after he killed, uh, uh, I think it was Frank Stilwell, at the train station in Tucson. Tell, you know, tell him I'm coming. And tell him hell's coming with me. Right? Then essentially up until the time that he meets Curly Bill in at Turkey, uh, not Turkey Creek, I can't remember where it was, something Springs, 
Um, it's just a montage of a bunch of guys getting killed. By the way, Wyatt Earp didn't kill anywhere near that many cowboys. I think there's only two or three, including Curly Bill. But if you watch that montage, you know, they, they hang a couple guys, they shoot a bunch of mothballs. It looks like he killed 50 guys. But Tombstone was never really presented or portrayed as being a historically accurate film. It just was a really good film, very entertaining. But anyway, if you... If you look at that that scene or that uh, montage, maybe it's a couple minutes long, three minutes long, I don't know, but it tells a lot of parts of the story in that few minutes. It creates a uh, uh, it creates an idea that there was a lot of action, but a, a lot of that action was pretty much the same. Guys getting killed by Wyatt Earp. So you could do that for the Lincoln County War, but gosh, wouldn't it be a shame? Like the whole reason you wanted to make this film is because you wanted to tell the story of Billy the Kid and the Lincoln County War. And so the, I think the way to tell that is you got to show it. So Tunstall's killed, right? And then there's the uh, – uh, gosh, I can't even remember uh, if it came. I think uh, McNabb, uh, McCloskey, and Baker – uh, yeah, they're next up, Blackwater Draw. And then it's the killing of Brady. you got to have that in there. I mean, that is really the – that's where the tide turns against the regulators. And that's the begin. that is the, the crime that Billy will be tried, sentenced to hang for. So you've got to include that. And then there's, you know, McNabb and Ab Saunders uh, getting killed. There's a few other, you know, minor battles. Then we – wind our way back to the five-day battle of Lincoln, which it's five days. You're going to portray five days on screen in, I don't know, 45 seconds, a minute? Probably not. You know, Dudley arrives with the Gatling gun. Susan McSween marches out. They clear the place. The, The house is set on fire. I mean, there's all these things. So you've got to give some credence to this in order to to tell the story that you want to tell historically and you're running out of time (laughs) so i don't know how you're going to tell it you're going to have to work with your screenwriter to make sure that you have some way to get these events in so people understand the context the duration of the war in other words this isn't a war that took five minutes it took months from you know february 18th till mid-july March, April, May, June, July, five months. So how do you portray five months on screen and how much uh, how much time are you willing to give that? So you can show the maturation of Billy when he goes from, you know, just kind of hired gun to at the end, after the five-day battle, kind of the regulators become his gang, if you will. You know, Doc uh, pulls out. I mean, uh, the Coes pull out for uh, uh Colorado, Doc and Charlie go to Fort Sumner, etc. Oh, and by the way, if you wanted to get Billy's love interest in there, you got to fit Sally Chisholm in somehow. That's what she said, right? So there's a subplot there if you want to show the romantic, fun, you know, side of the kid. You got to show him in Roswell at Ash Upson's store, getting a couple of candy hearts, going to South Spring so she can write it in her diary. I don't know where that goes. Good luck with that. But somehow the Lincoln County War is over, 
and uh, we're in 1878. And guess what? We're really only halfway through Billy's story, even though he'll only live for another few years or not. Maybe he lives on as Brushy Bill or Miller or somebody else. But if you're going with the traditional story, he'll be dead in three years. But those three years, there's a lot of action in there. I, you can't just skip over them. So I would say at this point, you've got a challenge that might be insurmountable. You've got a two-hour movie that you need to make money. You need people to want to pay for and not get bored and walk out or turn the TV off. And you've probably burned through, I mean, I'm saying at minimum, as, a, as an amateur filmmaker, at minimum, you've burned through an hour and 15 minutes of your time. I mean, the Lincoln County War has got to take 15 or 20 minutes. It, it, at, at absolute minimum, 15 or 20 minutes. The introduction of the regulators and the, the, you know, inception of, you know, the relationship with Tunstall, you know, five or 10 minutes. Billy's origin story, his crimes, his misdeeds, the Jesse Evans gang, you know, how, 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 how much time do we have? And you've made some stuff up. You've had to, you have no choice. You don't, you don't know what happened. You know, something happened, but you don't have the details. So you had to make it up. All right. So. Now we're post Lincoln County War and Billy's kind of drifting. Well, this is, um, and there's certainly enough documented incidents. This is probably an area where I think you could compress the time frame. You know, going stealing horses in, uh, I don't know, somewhere in eastern New Mexico and running them to Tascosa and selling them. Yeah, okay, you could do that in a montage. You could do, you know, a few more things. You can have him introduced to Paulita, maybe, um, you know, have some some dark, gauzy, sexy scene where he's with, like, shoot, 15-year-old Paulita. I don't know. Can you even do that? I guess you probably could. Uh, by the way, any of these shots where you have actors in romantic situations, you now you have to have an intimacy coordinator. That's a real job. It's a new uh, role, and there's actually a certification for it, but you need an intimacy coordinator to make sure that everybody on set is protected and safe and feels safe and feels heard and isn't doing anything they're not comfortable with. And the intimacy coordinator kind of works with the director to block out how things can be done so that uh, there's no impropriety. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in old Hollywood, that it used to just be, you know, okay, these two are going to be, uh, let's uh, call it making love. And so we're going to have the guy on his back and the woman will be on top and the sheet will be over her shoulders and then it'll slip down, but the camera will be on a, you know, kind of a, an angle so we can't really see anything and they're going to, you know, be, you know, banging it out. And uh, yeah. And so the guy has on, I, mean, I won't use the terms, but he's got on something, you know, to to keep his junk from touching hers and she's got something on but sometimes she doesn't other than something you couldn't see from the front because she's supposed to be completely naked from behind right and hollywood loves naked women but not as much naked men so it's always the woman that you see more of well in the old days the guys you know and you hear actors talk about this all the time you know before you start a scene like that you talk to your co-star and and the actor goes hey i'm really sorry if i do you know, get excited. And gosh, I'm really sorry if I don't too. Because like I, you know, the, because either way is insulting. 
but now intimacy coordinators kind of run the show when you talk about these kind of scenes. So if you're going to have any of this romantic or sexual stuff, you need to hire somebody like that. And you have to be ready to clear the set of only uh, essential, uh, keep only essential personnel. You need to make sure that there's a mix of men and women. It can't just be all men on there. That would never fly. And you need to know that there's going to have to be uh, a limited number of takes. You can't just keep throwing the actors back into the same thing 10 times. The, the coordinator is not going to go for that. So you're burning through a lot of money for a little bit of stuff. So do you want to put this in? And by the way, do we even know any of this? Because you wanted a historically accurate movie. And Paulita Maxwell said, hey, I wasn't Billy the Kid squeezed. It was Celsa. And we don't even know who Celsa was, really. I mean, we have a little bit of information, but... We don't have a bunch to go on or Abrana Garcia or Nasaria Yerby or, you know, what D. Luvina, right? Like, who are you going to, who are you going to make Billy squeeze? Because if you want to tell the story, we think he was in Fort Sumner for some reason. And we think that reason was probably a woman. So put some of your budget aside for that. I know a couple of intimacy coordinators that I can refer you to. Um, they get, you know, good union scale for the work they do. And you better pay attention because if not, you're going to be on, you know, on the front page of the uh, daily news, you know, in one of those Me Too things and going, this director, you know, created this unsafe and, uh, uh, you know, really toxic environment for the actors. And now the director and the production company is being sued by everybody involved. So you don't want that. So some of your money's gone for a very, very short period of screen time that you don't even really know if it ever happened. Your historical accuracy is being tested and tickled. Anyway, so you can montage your way through Billy's time uh, right up until Pat Garrett gets elected sheriff. I think you want to show that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the election, you know, Garrett versus Copeland and uh, uh, I think it was Copeland. And, Garrett winning and the Santa Fe ring or the powers that be, you know, wanting him in that job for a specific reason. Like, he, you know, that's not an insignificant part of Billy's story, because once Garrett's elected, everything changes. I think it's October of uh, 80 that he is uh, elected and very quickly things change for Billy. So now we're into the Garrett period. And by the way, you have your own feelings, right? You, you don't have any facts. You have zero facts to go on. You have a little, you know, testimony from the time, but were Garrett and Bonnie very close friends, intimate, not in a sexual way, intimate friends? Were they casual acquaintances? Did they gamble together? Did they not even know each other? You're going to have to figure out how to tell that. And And again, when you tell it your way, two thirds of the people are going to tell you you're out of your effing mind because you don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> and they'll demand a retraction. <laughs> oh God. Okay. But no matter what, I think you have to tell some sort of backstory at some point of how Garrett and Bonnie are, you know, known to each other. But in the Garrett period, now I think you can pretty quickly move to, uh, Folliard's death, right? Garrett's chasing the gang and he puts up in Fort Sumner in the hospital with the posse and you got to show Folliard's death. So you, you had to have uh, introduced Folliard 
into this already and shown he was a faithful companion of Billy. He would even hold his horse, horse while Billy was knocking boots with somebody. Again, that's the intimacy coordinator, if you're going to show that. Um, so Folliard, absolutely. And then you got to show his death and demise and burial. You got to show it. I think you have to show his burial in Fort Sumner and you have to establish that cemetery because that's so key because there's going to be two more graves there. And then after that, you can uh, tell Charlie Bowdry's story. And because Manuela Bowdry, you know, was as one demented and cursed Garrett, um, I think somebody hit Garrett with something or one of his posse members uh, that caused them to actually drop the body. I don't know if it was like a, a skittle, or, or like a, an iron a skillet or something like that. But anyway, you, you have to have introduced Manuela at some point so people know who she is and why she's so upset when Bowdry gets killed. And that's the rock house at Stinking Springs. And you probably want to show what goes on inside, except we don't know what went on inside. We have very little to go on. We don't know what the dialogue was. We don't know if they pissed on those guns. We don't know if Billy buried a colt and money in the corner that was, you know, the colt was found years later, kind of all rusted away. Um, but all we know is that Billy, you know, came out and surrendered. So, and you're going to have to find a rock house to film in or rebuild one. I vote you rebuild it with your $20 million, but it's your money and your film. So Bowdry's dead, and uh, the kid's now, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, the kid is now um, uh, captured. Uh, by the way, I guess I missed, you know, that he had a meeting with Lou Wallace, and Wallace promised him something in his letter. But now you've got the uh, post-arrest section to talk about. Now it's Billy going on, uh, does he, um, Christmas Eve? Had this deep romantic kiss with Paulita while he's shackled to Rudabaugh. Do you show that? Since Paulita said uh, that was silly, I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but no, I never, never loved the kid. Um, do you even show that to try to foreshadow why he might be going back to Sumner? Or do you not? And then Billy goes to Las Vegas and then he goes to Santa Fe and then he writes to the governor and Wallace. Uh, ignores him basically. Um, so how much of that do you show? And then he goes to trial and, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to be satisfied with the hang by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. And you can go to hell, hell, hell. Like that never happened by the way, but is that enough? Or do you really want to see the trial? Do you want to see Billy talking to Ira Leonard and going, Hey, jerk off, get me out of this, you know, get that letter from the governor and, you know, submitted his evidence. He said he was going to, you know, Show me some leniency or give me a pardon. What What are you going to show? Are you going to show when Billy is acquitted of the uh, federal charge of the killing of Buckshot Roberts and he's like uh, doing a Tiger Woods with the fist bump, like pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out of here. And then realizes he's got, <laughs> they're going to just give him another trial. Because that to me seems important. The trial itself or the uh, events surrounding that seem rather important to me but it's your film and your executive producer so you figure it out with your screenwriter and then i mean we're by the way it's like well over two hours now to get here but now we're into the you know the the final lap of the story and that is billy going back to lincoln 
you've got to obviously show the uh, the escape from the Lincoln Jail, the murder of Bell and Ollinger. I think you have to show that. And however you want to do it, I think you want the the uh, the audience to not like Ollinger because the the common conception is he was just a bully. So we probably don't like Ollinger. I think you want them to feel some sympathy for Bell, or at least paint Bell as neutral. So you need a little, you know, a minute or two minutes to do all of that. And then you have Billy shooting his way out. And then, then you have a big, 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 huge decision to make. And we'll talk about that decision right after this. <laughs> Welcome back. We're making our ideal Billy the Kid, totally factual, historically accurate movie, $20 million feature film. We're having a tough time. I mean, we got a lot of stuff to fit into two hours. We're probably close to two hours right now if we've done a decent job of telling the story and we're not done yet, but we got to forge ahead. So your key question after Billy breaks out of uh, jail in Lincoln is how much do you show of what happens next? Do you just cut to Fort Sumner and there he is in the peach orchard? Or are you going to show him, uh, you know, going to see uh, John Meadows, if I remember right, uh, you know, and, and kind of talking about what happened and confessing his part of the story and getting the rest of his uh, leg irons off? You know, do you, do you show him making his way to Fort Sumner? Do you show him his horse pull loose and uh, abandon him? Billy Burt's pony, I think. Um, and then uh, him having to walk 20 miles into Sumner across, you know, a, uh, this is uh, April. So it still can be very, very warm on the plains in New Mexico in April. Um, it, you know, do, do you show all that? It also can be really cold, by the way. And Billy's got, you know, minimal provisions after he loses his horse. So, yeah, how how much of that do you want to show? And why is he going back to Sumner? Well, the answer is we don't know. So you're going to have to make something up there. You're going to have to give your opinion, much like I do. But I am an entertainer and you are a historically accurate filmmaker. <clears throat> so uh, and then you're going to have him in Sumner. He gets there in April, well, late April, probably early May, I would guess, first two or three days of May. And now you've got two and a half months to fill up of stuff before Garrett shows up on 14 July 1881. So what are you going to show of that? I mean, we don't really know much of anything of what really happened then. So you're going to you're going to compromise your historical integrity or you're just not going to tell anything. You're just going to have, you know, Garrett show up there. You'll start with, you know, Garrett's story in the Peach Orchard. And how much do you want to focus on Garrett, you know, working his sources at the Wilcox Brazil Ranch, his informants? How did he know about this, that, or the other thing? That's an important part. This is like, it's like a chess match, really, between Garrett and Billy. Uh, and, uh, you know, Garrett's got more more pieces to play with. So, this is the, you know, kind of key element of the story that is going to take some time, or you could just gloss over it. That's pretty much what Young Guns did, right? I think Billy escaped the jail, and Garrett was elected sheriff. 
uh, or no, Garrett was elected sheriff. He kills two guys. Billy escapes jail. And then the next thing you know, they're in Fort Sumner. Um, yeah, probably you're going to want to do a little bit more than that. And then, of course, you're going to examine that night of 14 July 1881. What are you going to do? What are you going to show? Are you going to show the um, the uh, killing or not? Whatever you decide to do. I mean, if you're in the Brushy Bill camp, you're going to show Brushy's account of the gunfight. I don't know that that's ever been done, by the way. I'm, I'm assuming Guns 3 will do it. But, you know, Brushy has this ferocious gunfight after uh, Billy Barlow is killed. And he takes three slugs, top of the head and the jaw and the shoulder. He fights his way out. He collapses. Mexican woman pulls him into her house, slaps some beef tallow on his head. Um, you know, uh, I think it was Celsa Gutierrez comes running in. Garrett killed somebody else. He's passing the body off as yours. You got to get out of here. Like there's a whole subplot there that you need to tell. If it's John Miller, well, Miller wasn't even there that night. So you got to figure out, you know, where he went and why he wasn't there. Um, and of course, if it's the traditional Pat Garrett story, then I think you're going to show that shot in the dark. And, you know, and Billy dying. But do you stop right there? Like, boom. And then you have some, you know, letter, some words roll up uh, on the screen that tells what happened next. Or do you? I mean, I think if I'm the filmmaker. I think I actually want to show, based on whatever testimony we have, what happened next. I want to see Garrett and his, you know, the body there and Garrett and his men hold up in that bedroom and people outside, you know, yelling and threatening and cursing. And I think I want to see them hold the wake and I want to see the women, you know, kind of mourning over the body and they're, you know, washing him and changing. I want to see, uh, <laughs> whoever it was, go to Suits R Us in Fort Sumner and, you know, pick out a suit for Billy. I want to see them nail together the box, put the body in. I want to see them carried across the parade ground. I want to see, like, I want to see them dig the hole slightly uh, next to Charlie, but slightly off, uh, you know, uh, from, like, I want to see all that. But I think all that's going to take 15 or 20 minutes and we're well over two hours already. But hey, you know what? That's the, <laughs> you're going to give the editor as many choices as you can, and he or she is going to have to figure out how to, you know, how to make it tell a story. And then at that point, if you're going with the traditional Garrett story, I think at that point, then you could be done. Except for the fact that uh, in Las Vegas in uh, 1883 and 1885, there are warrants out for Billy the Kid. So why was that? Who swore out, you know, <laughs> that uh, that he was out there and needed to be arrested. If you're telling the brushy story, well, shoot, you've only just started because there's a whole lifetime, you know, with the Rough Riders and you know, the Wild uh, Wild West sh show, uh, Hickox, not Hickox, I uh, can't remember whose Wild West show it was, and there's uh, time with the Yaki Indians and there's fighting in the Mexican-American War, I think, and, yeah, or whatever that war was. Like, there's all these things. And if it's Miller, well, Miller moves on to Rama and then Zuni and then, so, you know, how much time do we have? All right. Here's the good news. If you filmed all this stuff, which I hope you did, if you filmed it all, you've got the makings of a compelling movie. 
except you've probably <laughs> you've probably got like <laughs> 20 hours worth of footage if you could afford to do that and you probably couldn't for 20 million bucks but if you somehow found a way to film everything we talked about you got a lot of footage and you can tell the complete story of billy the kid except the studio and your executive producers say hey we got to come in under two hours hour and 58 minutes and so then you as the director and the editor sit down and you start to piece the story together now often the studio or whoever financed the movie just says hey thanks for directing you're out of here and you know the editor will take it from here and the editor gets the footage and script the editor really makes the movie or the or the tv show um but because they are the one that pieced together and you'd be amazed when you if you start editing how many different stories you can tell from exactly the same footage just depending on which shots you use which dialogue the angles and how you structure them in order you put you know uh somebody goes oh my god what was that and you put that after you know a reaction shot like somebody looks really concerned and then somebody says what was that that's one connotation i'm concerned and then there's somebody else that's concerned but if you put it at the at the beginning oh my god what was that and then you put the concerned look then there's that foreshadowing of uh oh something really bad is about to happen so uh, the editor really does make your your project and that's they're the they are the person that tells the story all right so what do you want in your film you can shoot all of this for free if you use you know people that are willing to volunteer their time and you know and your whole crew and you don't have insurance and you don't pay anybody you don't have any food and all those things and there's a lot of micro budget movies that are made for free i don't agree with it but it's done but you had 20 million bucks and i don't think if you're looking for you know hollywood level production value i don't think you can shoot all of that for 20 million dollars it's not going to happen there's way too many sets way too many characters to introduce too many actors there's horses there's guns lots of safety there's intimacy coordinators wardrobe which costs uh, a lot of money um you know you've got uh, location stuff you've got to put you know, a lot of these locations are going to be remote so you either got to bus or you know bring people in every day or you've got to have on-site trailers and a whole kind of base camp so the the costs are spiraling rapidly so i don't think that your idea of telling the factual billy the kid story in a two-hour movie is going to fly unless you're willing to cut some significant parts i don't think you have enough money to do it and you probably won't get enough time so as a director now you can work backwards and say okay i can't do it i realize that was folly never going to work which parts of the story do i want to tell right in other words i don't have to tell the whole story of billy the kid i can i can base the my film completely factually if i just tell a part of the story which part am i going to tell and then you're in <laughs> you're in my world right now you're having to say okay 
maybe I'm just going to tell the Lincoln County War. Maybe I'm going to do the best movie on the Lincoln County War that has ever been made. There's not going to be any compromises. There's not going to be any shortcuts. There's not going to be any glossing over. I'm going to dig in in detail. You're going to see Morton, Baker, McNabb, uh, McCloskey. You're going to see Harvey Morris get shot in the eye when he comes out of the burning McSween house. Like you're going to see everything. And if you do that, that's, I mean, that could be cool. I, I think a movie on the Lincoln County War, just on the Lincoln County War with Billy the Kid as kind of a, you know, a, 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 an appetizer, no, no, a side dish, right? Because there were so many characters there. I think that would be very, very cool. Or do you just want to tell the story of Billy the Kid in the Lincoln County War? Like how this kid went from kind of unknown cowhand to at least, you know, by the end, leading the regulators and then, you know, making his way onto a life, into a life of crime that would define his legend for 140 years. Or do you just want to pick it up after the Lincoln County War? Do you start the movie with Billy running out of the McSween house, getting to the river, you know, the, conven reconvening with the regulators and then the, uh, you know, the, the rest of his life starts? Or do you just want young Billy the Kid up till he kills Wendy Cahill? Do you want Billy the Kid and Jesse Evans? That's what Epics is focusing on. Do you want their time? It's only six, seven months, if it's even that. But do you just want their time together where Billy is kind of in awe of Jesse? Of course, we're making that up because we don't even know. But do you want that that really sets him off on a life of crime? Or do you just want the time that Billy arrives in Fort Sumner after escaping from the Lincoln County Jail up until his death or not. And I think that that, to me, that would be a fascinating movie. Billy just shows up in Fort Sumner and then the story has to be told in flashback of what happened and how he got here and why he's here now. And in that night of uh, uh, 14 July takes place almost in real time, or at least portions of it do. To me, that would be the most fascinating thing. But I'm not the filmmaker, you are. So you can start to see some of the challenges of a completely factual Billy the Kid movie, which will never be made because we don't know enough facts to make it. Now, you could say, well, it's unforgivable for epics in the first episode, and that's the only one I can comment on, to, to have Billy walk in and kill Joe Grant in 1877 in El Paso, because it's just, it's stupid. He didn't kill Joe Grant in 1877. It was uh, 79, 80. I think it was eight, late 79 or 80. Um, and it was in Fort Sumner. And Joe Grant wasn't a bounty hunter. I mean, we know, you know, all this stuff, right? There was no bounty on Billy in 1877. Like that was just stupid. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. You just made up something almost as if you were trying to make it unhistorical. But aside from that, you could just, if you just want a film where to put the pieces in the right order, I guess you could do that, but you'd have to gloss over a lot of stuff. So then you might say, well, wait a minute, Michael. I've got my 20 hours of footage. 
I can make a mini series. Yes, you can. That's what Epix is doing. <laughs> and there, I don't know. All I'm doing is reading the reviews, so I don't know if there'll be another season or not. My instincts tell me as short a uh, um, attention span, not attention span, uh, patience as uh, you know the studios have now, investors. I don't think there'll be another season. It has to be one of those things where people just rave about it. You know, oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens next. I, that's not the sense I get that's going on, but maybe it is. But I, I, I kind of doubt there'll be another season of that. And then you're going, well, what about Ken Burns? Can't he do a documentary about Billy the Kid? The answer to that is he sure as hell can. He is the premier documentarian of our time. And the the beauty of doing a Ken Burnsian type of documentary is you don't need any actors or any sets. You don't even interview anybody. Ken Burns doesn't do that. He uses photographs. He uses letters. Um, you know, and in in really well done research, and an uh, an effective voiceover to tell a story. And I think Ken Burns could do a fine job of telling the story of Billy the Kid in you know two hours, three hours, four hours. But you have to get in touch with Ken. And see if that's on his radar. <laughs> I don't know him. <laughs> so you'd have to see if he'd be interested in doing that. But realize with that, it's no longer a, a feature film. It's you looking at a bunch of pictures that you've already seen already. Now, in very intriguing fashion and very well put together, but it's not if you need an itch to scratch of, you know, Billy fighting his way uh you know, out of uh, the Lincoln County Jail, you're not getting that. So it's a whole different type of project. Could you do a, a documentary like that for $20 million? Yeah, absolutely. Most of uh, the costs in a documentary like that are the, the research costs, the people you put on the research, and the rights to photographs. And, you know, scoring, right? You, gotta, you have music, which really helps set the scene. But you don't pay any actors. You don't pay for any sets. There's no on-site insurance. There's no craft services, you know, where people are eating extravagant food or anything like that. So it, it, I don't know that that's what people want to tell. That The overwhelming sense I get is people want a feature film or some sort of series that tracks the real life of Billy the Kid. So you're, I, I hate to say it, but you failed. Your movie did not uh, succeed. Why? Because you never finished it. You realize that 20 million bucks wasn't enough to film everything that you wanted and to get it through post-production, get all the music written, get the license or the rights to the songs you wanted. And so you uh, you turned it over to the editor and they <laughs> and they cut it into a movie that's much like The Kid or, uh, you know, in some of these other Billy the Kid films. Uh, and you had to fictionalize stuff because your screenwriter said, well, dude. Nobody knows who this guy is. They have to have a conversation so we can establish who he is. And you go, well, wait, we don't know what they ever talked about. And the screenwriter says, well, then we're going to make it up. That's what I do. So it's a struggle. I don't know that the epic series is the best you're ever going to get. Probably won't be. 
But I do know and do understand the challenge that a filmmaker is going to have to do what you, the Billy the Kid historian and expert and enthusiast, I, whatever you want is going to be very tough for them to deliver because the films are not designed to appeal to you. There's not enough of you that are going to go to the theater or pay to stream that film online to make back $20 million. There's just not. Just not. Uh, Jason Young's group has got, uh, let's say, 5,000 members. One of the Billy, you know, it's a Facebook group, Billy the Kid, Mysteries, Books, whatever. I'm not sure the whole name. Um, if every one of those 5,000 members spent 10 bucks to go to the theater, if every single one around the world, that's that's uh, 500. Oh, no, that's not 5,000 at 10 bucks is 50 grand. Uh, that's only fifty thousand dollars. It's not even. I thought it was five hundred thousand. Let's assume there's ten times that. Let's assume there's fifty thousand people who'll spend ten bucks to go. That's only five hundred thousand dollars. That's half a million bucks, and that's not all of the filmmaker, right? The distributor gets some. The theater gets some. There's very little left for the filmmaker, and your your executive producer is demanding. You need millions and millions of people. To stream, watch, rate, review, so that you can make money on this thing. And in order to get millions and millions of people, you got to have sex, you got to have drugs, you got to have rock and roll. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that sells big time to do a movie like that. So you got some sex, right? You've got the girls in there. You have the intimacy coordinator. You got Billy. You got a folliard or folliard holding the horse outside. I don't know that you have any drugs, but uh, you got lots of shooting and hopefully killing. And uh, you got to have a lot of dramatic uh, dialogue to set the tension. And that's where, of course, this stuff falls apart. You can make a more realistic Billy the Kid film than has ever been made but you cannot make a completely realistic Billy the Kid film because you don't have the time, money, and number three, most importantly, you just don't have people that care that much. You care, but the majority of people that would go watch this don't care. So I hope you've enjoyed this little tour of your ideal, your, your, your best ever Billy the Kid film. Hey, I encourage you to make it. I'd love to watch it. I'd love to watch it more than the epic series because, you know, they didn't get me the first episode. I, I, I won't watch another one. I'm not going out of my way to find it. But I'd love to see your movie. If you can raise the 20 million bucks, you know, by all means, do it. Uh, if you can raise 20,000 bucks, <laughs> you could do something. Shoot it with your iPhone. You know, use a little plastic cowboys on horses, you know, some holding them with your fingers and galloping across the screen or something. Um, but uh, I really would love to, to see that film. I'd love to see people get closer and closer and closer to the real story, knowing that uh, the, the real story itself is kind of hard to capture. 
uh, and uh, and is going to take some artistic compromise to achieve. But it doesn't mean that people shouldn't try. So I hope you do try. We'll be right back after this with a final word. Well, I appreciate you joining me for this episode of All Things Billy. Uh, as of right now, the episode, and before you listen to this part, is one hour and 11 minutes long. And all we did was talk about making a movie, and I glossed over so many of those. Oh, you got to talk about this and this and this. But it's not like we went into any detail. The point is we're 70 minutes into your two-hour film, and we actually haven't even made a film. We've just talked about some of the, you know, the, the high points about doing it. So... That should give you an idea of the challenge. Uh, for those of you, a number of you have reached out and said, hey, where the hell is this final trial of Billy the Kid film? Well, uh, I don't have an update other than the fact that Amazon has it. <laughs> Amazon Prime Video has it. And uh, the latest I've heard, and you only hear this from other filmmakers because um, Amazon doesn't tell you anything, uh, is that they're running anywhere from six and now to as many as, oof, gosh, six weeks up to three months, which is 12 or 13 weeks, um, which to me is just completely unpalatable, but I have no say whatsoever in the release of the film. Now, we have, uh, this is maybe more information than you really care about, but we have opened up the rights worldwide to AVOD, uh, advertising supported video on demand platforms. And so we should see over the next couple of weeks, some of those networks picking the film up and then making it available. So it'll, it probably, if they, if they select the film for something like Tubi or Zumo or Freebie, which is IMDB TV, if they select the film, they get it within a day or two. But then it, they have their own schedule, just like Amazon, about how it goes up. Some of them, it might go up in a week. Others, it might go up in a month, two months. Again, no, we don't have any control over that. But I didn't want to wait on that. I was waiting for the initial transactional video. You buy or rent. I was waiting for that to start, which is what will happen on Amazon. But, you know, it's just not happening. So I figured we might as well get a jump on those other distribution options. So the film will be available worldwide soon, but I can't tell you what soon means. Um, but I promise you on this uh, program, on the YouTube channel, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, mm, TikTok, <laughs> Whatever else, you know, whatever, a newsletter for those that have signed up for the newsletter, uh, you can't, we'll, we'll make more than one announcement. You will not miss when the film is available. I promise you, believe me, I promise you, I, I want you to see it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, I made the movie so that people could, could watch it. So I'm not going to hide it when it comes out. Uh, and we will let you know as soon as possible. If you'd like to be on the mailing list and only send out, Gosh, maybe one email a month, maybe one every you know two months, just depending upon what's going on. But you can get on the mailing list for updates on that kind of stuff at www.mankindpro, mankindpro.com. And there's a scroll to the bottom. There's a little 
you know, sign up for keep me up on the latest news or something. We don't sell, rent, give away, make fun of your email address. And uh, every once in a while, when there's something where they like the release of a movie or a new platform where you can see the film or a new book coming out or something like that, we'll send an email out. That way it will be pushed out to you and you don't have to go find it on social media. So please feel free to go sign up for that if you like. And just as soon as, uh, and I check every day, sometimes more than once a day, uh, to see what's going on with the release of the film. But at this point, I don't know, 30 Seconds in Hell, which is my other film, a supernatural retelling of the gunfight at the OK Corral, will also be coming out at probably the exact same day. They were submitted to Amazon at the same time, and so they're probably in the same spot in the queue. Uh, so uh, for those of you that have interest outside of Billy the Kid, well, you'll have another option there. Uh, and as soon as we know, you'll know. That's it for this episode of All Things Billy. Remember, I am not a role model. I just get paid to play basketball. <laughs> I, You know, when I was a, a youth, a younger man, I actually wasn't too bad at basketball. Yeah, I was, I was, a, I was a pretty decent player. But those days are long gone. And, uh, yeah, I would have to uh, rely on my wits now rather than my athletic ability. And I don't know that my wits are going to get me very far. So. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. If you love the show, tell your friends. If you hate the show, tell me. And then go listen to something else because I'm just here for your entertainment. I hope you've been entertained. And I'll see you next time on All Things Billy. Later.